Stand Up for the Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up For The Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion, addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Brothers and sisters in Christ, thank you so much for tuning in. I really appreciate you, and I want to mention uh, just a couple of the things we're going to be talking about today before I introduce uh, Pastor Andy Woods, welcoming him back to the podcast. We'll be talking about the brand new Gallup poll and the apostasy, the falling away we're seeing in America, not just in the culture, but in the church, but the belief in God dipping to a historic low. Also, fascinating story, uh, MasterCard, um, they're launching some technology that's allowing you to pay with your face or your hand in stores. We'll talk about that. Also, the Biden administration is trying to reverse what President Trump did as far as supporting uh, Israel and Jerusalem. And uh, we'll talk about that. It's a very important story flying under the radar, of course, of most media. But he's taking, Biden has taken a major step to roll back uh, Trump's Jerusalem. Also, apostasy. We've got a mission, Michigan governor now, an attorney general, that are going off the rails to the left. The attorney general is calling for a drag queen in every school, and the governor is now referring to people, a uh, certain uh, portion, a minority of, of people, as menstruating people. Uh, and also, this uh, came out from the Department of Homeland Security. We're going to talk about their their warning about the summary of terrorism threat to the U.S. And it's talking about domestic terror. I'm talking about but the left and the uh, attacks on churches and pro-life centers. We've got to talk about that. And um, so I just gave you an idea of what the direction we're going and probably a little bit more, a couple other stories that I didn't mention. But uh, let's bring in Dr. Andy Woods today. He's back with us, Sugarland Bible Church in Texas. And he's the author of the book, which we talked about a couple podcasts ago. We will link to it, Babylon, the Bookends of Prophetic History. You've got to get that. Uh, he's also the president of Schaefer Theological Seminary, founder of Andy Woods Ministries, and just got done with Vacation Bible School. Andy Woods, welcome back to Stand Up for the Truth. <laughs> yeah, David, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so did you get a lot of flack from some of your loyal uh, pastor's point of view listeners that you took the week off last week? <laughs> well, you know... You know, people are very supportive, and we just want to let them know why we didn't do one last week, and they, they get kind of uh, stir-crazy if you don't communicate anything to them. Right. So that's, that was our attempt to, you know, keep everybody happy. Yeah, well, children, my goodness, uh, Christian children have to be a priority because they're growing up in yeah. such crazy dangerous times in this country, and we're going to talk about a little bit of that, uh, the reasons why. Uh, Before we get into the topics, uh, Pastor Andy, um, the documentary from Dinesh D'Souza, 2,000 Mules, is being shown at a church about 40 minutes from here where we are near Green Bay, Wisconsin. Um, It's going to be in Oshkosh tomorrow night. Doors open at 6 p.m. at Calvary Sunrise Church. They're showing 2,000 Mules. It is free. There will be concessions available again tomorrow night in Oshkosh, 6 p.m., Oshkosh, Wisconsin, for those of you listening online, uh, Calvary Sunrise Church, uh, 2,000 mules. Um, Andy, it, a lot of, <laughs> a lot of debate has been going on for the last, well, you know, since Biden was put in as president, I'll put it that way. And, um, a lot of evidence, it seems, that a lot of people are showing with video evidence. Um, but there's still a lot of people on the left or one side. Most Democrats are really silent about any voter fraud or election. Election integrity issues just don't seem to be a priority to a lot of people, which is astounding after what happened in 2020. So did you see the documentary 2000 Mules? And if you did, what were your thoughts and on the uh, elections coming up? No, I did see it, and I'm a big fan of the D- Dinesh D'Souza, you know, movies. I've seen all his movies. Sometimes I watch them twice just to make sure I didn't miss anything. But this particular one I did see, um, I thought it was, um, you know, I thought he went out of his way to be fair. Mm-hmm. I thought his analysis was very scientific and objective. And um, I actually, my wife and I know Debbie, 
uh, D'Souza before she was married to Dinesh D'Souza. And so I immediately, you know, sent her a, uh, a message and, you know, told her how much, you know, we enjoyed her, the, their latest movie. She usually plays a prominent role of some kind. She's a singer also. Mm. Um, so you'll see her show up in a lot of his different movies. And we just thought they did a great job and wanted to encourage him. And, you know, she was very grateful, you know, for my comments. But I thought he did a really good job. You know, if I could just push the envelope a little bit, sure. you know, the only thing I wish that he had gone into, and that this may be outside of his, you know, immediate field, but I wish he had gone into the Dominion voting machines the way mm-hmm. Mike Lindell has, yes. but he didn't. But but even so, even not going into that, I think what he presented, you know, wasn't a factual, mathematical, objective data um, to demonstrate that what happened in 2020 was, you know, very suspicious. Okay. Well, people are going to see it tomorrow night in Oshkosh at Sunrise uh, Calvary Sunrise Church. And uh, by the way, friends, if you go to that, let me know. Let me know what you think. Let me know if it was fair, if you if it convinced you one way or another. Um, so one more thing, Andy, before we get into some of the topics today, very important and I think historic election took place down there in your neck of the woods in Texas. And that would be the election of Myra Flores. She was sworn into office. She's a legal immigrant, mother of four, wife of a border agent, and uh, she's a respiratory therapist. She flipped a deep blue district to the GOP in this special election in Texas, and she becomes the first Mexican-born woman to serve in the U.S. House. Congratulations, Congresswoman. I want to ask you, Pastor Andy, how significant is this, and um, why... It wasn't she a Democrat? Because obviously they say that they are for minorities and women. And um, I just want to get your thoughts on I, what I believe is a very historic moment. Yeah, I, that what happened there was a big deal because if that trend holds true, there could be uh, a, way, a, a red wave um, of epic proportions, you know, coming up in November. But. Basically, what happened is what we discovered is, hey, Hispanics are not all in favor of um, illegal immigration. Uh, those that came into the country legally, mm-hmm. you know, and went through the process feel like somebody just sort of, you know, it's kind of like how you feel when somebody cuts in line in front of you. Uh, you know, here you've been standing and waiting and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, playing by the rules and someone just jumps right in front of you and is not playing by the rules. Apparently, the Hispanics that have come into the country legally are feeling that way about illegal immigration. And I think that's something that the Democrats didn't count on. And it turns out the Hispanics are very conservative, family-oriented, biblical values types of people. And they just look into the Democratic Party open borders mindset, and they just don't see any camaraderie with it. And so now they're voting red. Mm-hmm. Now, if that, if that trend holds true, I mean, the Democratic, and assuming they don't radically cheat, <laughs> which, you know, we know is possible, I mean, there could be just a catastrophic red wave coming against the Democratic Party in November. And uh, we hope that would be the case. And I want to mention more about, and quote her. But before, I made a mistake here. That movie, 2000 Mules, by the way, that's tonight. I was a day off. Forgive me. I mentioned it yesterday on the podcast. 2000 Mules is tonight, Thursday, in Oshkosh. So I hope people didn't tune out and already make their plans for, <laughs> for tomorrow. But seriously, it's tonight, 2000 Mules, in Oshkosh, 6 p.m. It's free. Calvary Sunrise Church. Tonight uh, is Thursday. So uh, Myra Flores says, I have risen from working in the cotton fields to representing the community I love in Congress. And she also said something very important. I saw her first interview, and I believe it was with Tucker Carlson. Uh, She said, I'm not loyal to a party. I'm loyal to God. I'm loyal to my family, and I'm loyal to my community. And she mentioned Jesus. She says things like, um, I live in prayer. And she vows to stay true to her principles. And she also posted something on her Facebook I found to be fascinating a couple days ago. She said, the, this is before she won, the far left is demolishing everything my family came here to find. As the first Mexican-born American congresswoman, if elected, I won't let them. So she says, Democrats are destroying the American dream. And as you said, Pastor Andy, I think 
more Hispanics, uh, especially we've seen what's happening in Florida, more seem to be going leaning toward DeSantis and um, over here in Texas. Th- this could really be an interesting election. Your final thoughts on what could be happening or come up in November? Well, I would just say the reason this is such a big deal, David, is if you you or myself say something like that, we're accused of you know white sup- <laughs> white supremacy. It's kind of hard to accuse Myra, you know, of white supremacy. <laughs> and so this is just out, I mean, this is uh, outside the narrative of the left. And you know, I mm-hmm. think it's really good news for yes. those of us that are conservative and constitutionalist. Yes, and let's emphasize, if you missed the point, that she is the first Mexican-born woman to serve now in the U.S. House, and she's a Republican. Uh, she was born in Mexico, and she came here legally and went through the legal process to become a citizen. So a uh, very good point. Now, on to what's happening uh, with the potential overturn of Roe v. Wade. I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, Andy, because a month ago we had you on. I believe it was the day after the leak came out of the Supreme Court that Roe v. Wade may be overturned five to four. So your thoughts on how the left seems to be, well, seems to be, I believe right now there are more than 60 cases of violence or vandalism or arson on churches or pro-life centers or groups in different states because of the left, because of these radical leftist groups that are, they say they're pro-choice, they're pro-dismemberment of human pre-born babies and mothers' wombs. That's what it is, the pro-abortion. So, Andy, your thoughts on this when the DHS seems to come out with a warning on a summary of terrorism threat to the U.S. Well, I think the first thing with this is really not to count our, you know, chickens until they hatch. Amen. What what we saw was a leaked memo, and we're not even sure how valid that is or anything. And Mm. if everything is riding on John Roberts... (laughs) Um, he's he's proven himself to be a turncoat mm-hmm. on a number of issues. I mean, he's the guy that upheld Obamacare as constitutional. He's the guy that wouldn't intervene in the 2020 election concerning our Supreme Court. And so I, I just continue to keep that whole situation in prayer because, you know, my hope and prayer is that this monstrous, horrible decision, you know, will be overturned. And in that case, the debate would go back to the states where we could actually have a debate yes. you know, concerning when does life begin. Right now, we can't even have the debate because the issue's been federalized yes. since the infamous 1973 Roe v. Wade decision. But, you know, the left, as we know, when it doesn't get its way, I mean, it's like a child throwing a tantrum. And uh, they will you know, march and loot and burn. And if there's any kind of counter protest, I think the DHS wants to call counter protesters domestic terrorists. Mm. And, the you know, BLM is never called a domestic terrorist. You'll That's notice. Right. But right. conservatives are called domestic terrorists. And I think the reason they want to push that narrative is because once you call someone a domestic terrorist, they're under the auspices of the Patriot Act, where the normal constitutional procedures, you know, don't apply. It's a, it's almost like a different judicial system, and you see that with the January sixth protesters, many of them still languishing uh, in prison, you know, without yeah. uh, you know proper pretrial rights being given. They're not being given the right to, you know, exercise, you know, proper nutrition, getting your haircut, getting your fingernails cut, all that's deprived from them because they're looked at as domestic terrorists where the normal criminal law uh, constitutional procedure doesn't apply. So I think that's why DHS is pushing this um, this uh, uh, domestic terrorist category. I saw uh, one uh, program on Newsmax last night, and I think it was actually, I recorded it from a few nights ago, and it was sh- literally showing footage from uh, 2020 and that whole summer where they burnt down cities in the country, blew up police cars, and uh, just th- people were murdered. And even minority uh, business owners lost their businesses. A few were killed. Um, and there was so many cases of vandalism, Andy, and violence, and people weren't arrested. And then what happened when some were arrested, there was a group that Kamala Harris got behind, 
The Minneapolis Freedom Fund is one of them to get these felons, bail these felons out of prison. So not only was justice not uh, an, even an issue or on their minds, they wanted to uh, endorse this movement, this violence against America. And for the first time, a lot of us were going, wow, this is blatant lawlessness, godlessness, and it is almost being rewarded. Uh, your thoughts on, on what we're seeing now where... Um, these things could happen again, and now it could be the Roe v. Wade decision that could could kind of stir some of this up again. Yeah, well, it's just a violation of the equal protection of the laws, which is supposed to be guaranteed in our Constitution. Uh, you know, if you're going to if you're going to call one group lawless and violent and domestic terrorists, you can't say, okay, well, we're going to treat BLM, you know, Black Lives Matter, and these other George Soros funded groups. Um, uh, differently, and so I think people, as they're seeing these blatant, um, uh, uh, you know, discrepancies, inconsistencies, you know, they're starting to figure out that we're living in a two-tiered justice system where the laws are not being equally applied. I mean, there's a reason why Lady Liberty is blindfolded. Mm, yeah. um, she's not supposed to see, you know, who the different parties are because so, she's not supposed to show preference. And when you see a two-tiered justice system like the one like emerging, like what we have, you start to realize that our Constitution is being violated and this is not the America that we grew up in. That's right. Um, Pastor Andy, I want to jump into this article real quick, and we're going to probably continue it on the other side of the break. Um, the Biden administration is moving to, to take well take back what Trump did, really. Um, they say uh, the Biden administration elevated diplomatic relations with the Palestinian government in what diplomats warn is the first step to walking back the United States' historic recognition of Jerusalem as Israel's capital. So what's happening here? I mean, this article is over at the, I believe, the Washington or the Free Beacon. Um, so tell us a little bit about your concerns about this and how this isn't making the news. Yeah, well, of course, Trump, as we all remember, uh, moved the American embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, thereby recognizing Jerusalem as the historic capital you know, going back to the time of David, mm. of undivided Israel. And what we learned from this article that you're citing here is the State Department confirmed to the Washington Free Beacon that a new office of a Palest of Palestinian Affairs will be established in Jerusalem and act independently of the U.S. ambassador to Israel's office there. Mm. The formation of a separate diplomatic office bolsters U.S. relations with the Palestinian government and could violate the Jerusalem Embassy Act of 1995, which mandated that a single embassy be established in the Holy City. The article goes on and says that would set the stage for Jerusalem to once again be viewed by the United States as divided between mm. the Israeli and Palestinian authorities and then as I scroll down through the article, it quotes different people, uh, authorities, saying the purpose behind this move is to walk back the U.S. recognition of Jerusalem as Israel's capital, erode Israel's sovereignty over its capital city, and signal support for dividing Israel. Hmm. So it's, an, it's the Biden administration, you know, almost the mirror image of the Trump administration. It's like they're trying to undo everything Trump did that was positive, of course. you know, right down to this embassy move. And this is a step, you know, in that direction, sadly. Yes, it is. Um, it, it's, it seems like um, we've got an anti-Israel uh, administration, and w President Trump was definitely pro-Israel. And we tend to think we only have a minute left here. We tend to think going back to Genesis twelve three, right? Though I mean, we sure. we want to support Israel, and yet there are a lot of people in America that don't understand that concept. And you want to briefly talk about that? We'll continue it when we come back from the break. Actually, I'm well, sorry. I mean, Let me just—I don't want to cut you off. I hear the music sure. in the background. That's my cue. We will talk about okay. that. How does Genesis twelve three play into this? Are we feeling the effects? of that in a good way because of what the Trump administration did? And are we seeing anything different now that the Biden administration seems to be sometimes even anti-Semitic? But we'll talk about that when we come back with Pastor Andy Woods on Stand Up for the Truth. 
Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. Dr. Andy Woods is with us, pastor of Sugarland Bible Church in Texas. And uh, my goodness, uh, there's so much going on in our country. What we really didn't talk about, Andy, I think we will after we talk about Israel, because this is very important, um, that uh, Texas isn't as red as it used to be, and I wonder if you have any concerns about that. We'll get to that later, but right now, back to Israel. I don't want to break the flow of what we were discussing about nations who support Israel. Genesis 12, 3, you can't help but think, where God said, I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you, I will curse, and in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. So, uh, Pastor Andy, your thoughts. Well, as far as I can tell, that's the only foreign policy statement found in the whole Bible <laughs> related to what, you know, uh, Gentile nations should do. Hmm. And, uh, you know, it's it's very clear. God blesses those who bless Israel. And, you know, I'm teaching through Genesis right now in my local church. And once God articulated that, my goodness, the whole rest of the book of Genesis is God enforcing literally hmm. Uh, what he said in Genesis 12. Mm-hmm. I mean, we just completed Abimelech and, you know, how God closed the wombs of uh, everyone in the household of Abimelech because he threatened the seed coming through Sarah, which would be the birth of Isaac. And God is saying in Genesis 20, right at the end of the passage, that if you're going to stop my nation from going forth, I'm going to stop your nation from going forth. And to Abimelech, and I don't see a statute of limitations in Genesis 12, verse 3. Um, it, a lot of people are trying to tell me that, you know, that's just Old Testament stuff. It doesn't apply today, but I don't see any limitation on it. And the fact of the matter is Donald Trump did more for the nation of Israel probably than all of our other presidents combined. Yes, his record, I don't think, was perfect, but he certainly did a lot for them mm-hmm. uh, concerning the nation of Israel. And if we want our country to be in the channel of blessing, um, we need to get on the correct side of this. You know, George Washington, going all the way back to the Toro Synagogue, um, the first uh, synagogue established in the United States in Newport, Rhode Island, went and worshipped or visited that synagogue and wrote a famous letter to them the same day he worshipped. And he basically says the stock of Abraham will always be welcome in this country, and they're going to be able to sit under their own you know, fig tree, and none will make them afraid. And he gave to them a, a blessing that they could worship as they please in this country without fear of persecution, which has been their, uh, very different from their experience in other countries. And I believe that God reached down from heaven because of what George Washington did there mm-hmm. and blessed the United States from sea to shining sea because of what he promised to do in Genesis 12, verse 3, I'll bless those who bless you. Mm-hmm. So when our country is moving away from Israel, um, it, it bothers me because God will curse those who come against the nation of Israel. What we haven't really talked about in recent weeks here on the podcast is um, how about Russia and Ukraine and what's happening over there now? And you're hearing, you know, buzz about China and they're gaining more power and doing making certain moves and possibly aligning with Russia. And now you're hearing Iran. Uh, how is this affecting Israel already or do you see something on the horizon that may do that? Well, I think it's interesting that these powers got real bold when Donald Trump left the White House. Yes, obviously. And I don't think they would have done what they're doing now with Trump in the White House. They they sense weakness in Biden. Mm. And, you know, the best foreign policy, I think it was outlined by uh, Teddy Roosevelt, you know, speak softly, but carry a big stick. And... There are nations out there that are so wicked, the only thing they respect is might and power. Mm. And with a weak president, they get very, very bold. And I think something, and this is, I don't have any inside information on this, I don't have any voice from God or a Bible verse, but I think something very 
significant like a China invasion of perhaps Taiwan. Uh, I think that could likely happen in between now and the November elections because mm. I think our enemies understand that there's going to be a sea change in this country come November, and now is their time to act. And so I'm thinking something very significant along those lines may happen between now and then. Do I know that to be the case? No, but it's it's a matter you know that I suspect will happen, and I think we need to be in prayer. Yes, we do. Um, well, God save us. First of all, I used to pray God bless America, but uh, because of the direction of our nation and even our government, uh, I'm just praying God save America. And, and meaning, I, I know his patience means salvation. The longer he tarries, the more people can get saved. But my goodness, when you look at the the deception, the, the delusion, uh, just the, the depravity and the promotion of the immoral, you think, wow, how much long, how much, how patient is our holy God? Uh, right, Andy? Um, um, but I want to move on to this article here on MasterCard launching technology that lets you pay with your face or your hand in stores. Do you think people, even in the church, Pastor Andy, that, that poo-pooed Bible prophecy and revelation on this are now kind of starting to pay attention? <laughs> well, you know, I would hope that would be the case, but <laughs> to me it's, it's, it's like our our culture is so far away from God's word, and as as you know, David, most churches really don't teach Bible prophecy. That's right. I think your average churchgoer is somewhat oblivious to the subject, but you know, it's just a matter of looking at Revelation thirteen sixteen through eighteen, the mark of the beast system, which we think is not happening now, but we're inching towards it. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting to me that the technology. You know, never moves us in an opposite direction. It's always gradually inching us towards um, this sort of cashless society. And Mastercard here is talking about this thing called Metaverse, which I'm just you know getting educated about as I'm reading. And it talks about about 1.4 billion people are expected to use facial recognition technology to authenticate a payment by the year 2025. Mm. And they talk here about even, uh, if I'm reading this right, being able to make uh, uh, transactions with the use of your your eyeballs. Did you catch, did you catch that? Mm-hmm. And so it's, um, it's moving us away from cash. And once you go into this kind of system, they now have an electronic record of everything you say, do and think, because your purchasing behavior uh, has now been digitized. And if you're not cooperating with the New World Order, you know, if you're listening to people like David Fiorazzo, for example, and buying his books, <laughs> then they, they flip a switch and suddenly you're shut out of the system. Mm. And to me, that's pushing us towards the what the Bible predicts about the end times, the mark of the beast system. We talked about some of this um, a couple days ago with Pastor Kevin Minsky on rapidly advancing technologies, AI. Uh, we yes. talked about these robots that they can have conversations now and they can reason and use logic. Talked about biometric implants, human gene editing, off, of course, from a biblical worldview. And uh, we talked about the fact, Pastor Andy, that many of us, I, at least I did, maybe a couple decades ago, was thinking the mark of the beast would be like a tattoo or something. But now we're, we're really understanding that it's probably not just a barcode, probably more like an implant. And I think of Yuval Harari, who's saying we're fi- governments are finding ways to get under the skin. And he talks about humans being hackable and your thoughts on this? Well, I agree with you. It's it's all you know. I, I listened to um, uh, the, the guy you just quoted there. You've got a better Yuval Harari. Yes, and it's like my goodness. It's like the guy woke up one day, read the Bible <laughs> prophecy, <laughs> and just decided to espouse a bunch of stuff that the Antichrist <laughs> is going to bring in. I, I wonder if he has any real awareness of of what he is, you know, what he's actually saying, but. You know, the truth of the matter is they can't allow us to continue on just with cash because they have no record of what I'm doing as long as I'm trafficking and doing my transactions in cash. They've got to push us into a digital system. I know that the digital dollar, for example, is has already been proposed in Congress. That's a matter of public record. 
and this the, the whole agenda here, you know, as I think Curtis Bowers says, the issue is never the issue. Mm. You know, the issue is the revolution. Yes. In other words, this is really not about convenience, that, even though that's how it's being promoted. It's about moving us into a system whereby we can be completely controlled, you know, nanny, like a social credit system. Uh, if you don't behave, buy the right things, go to the right churches, whatever, then, you know, your opportunities in life, such as putting your kids in a good school or getting a passport or getting traveling privileges or getting a loan for your business, those start getting dried up. And that's how, uh, for example, China, um, the CCP, the Chinese Communist Party, with this social credit system, is able to manage their massive population. And what's happening in China, they want to bring worldwide. And sadly, that will happen because Bible prophecy predicts it. Mm -hmm. Uh, doesn't China have something like um, 300 million um, uh, cameras? It's like Big Brother. They watch at you. They have them everywhere. They can not only monitor people now, but they can see uh, where they're going. Is, is that a, a, an accurate number? Do you think, or is, has that been more? Uh, they, do they have more cameras now? Well, I, I read something maybe 10 years ago that says the average person in Europe is on camera like. 20 to 30 times every day. Wow. And I, I would think in China it would be much more. Right. So, you know, if you jaywalked, if you don't recycle, you know, if you got on social media and someone was critical of the regime and you liked it, for example, um, all that is taken into account and you're sort of, your opportunities in life shrink. You can't travel. You're almost put in an electronic, you know, concentration camp. And that's how China is able to keep everybody in line. I mean, that's a fascinating study. How does a small group of people control a massive amount of people? Mm -hmm. And the answer is uh, technology. And all of this technology is coming at us so fast, it's, it's kind of promoted as convenience. But, you know, there's a price to be paid for convenience, being locked into a system that you can't get out of. And so I wish more of our political leaders would speak to this issue. Mm -hmm. Oh, my goodness. Um, I'm, rather than follow up on that, I, I was just going to go another direction. But I do want to kind of stick to some of the things that we mentioned at the top of the podcast. And the next topic would be apostasy. You mentioned the church before. Uh, we've known Barna Research and other studies have come out saying the biblical worldview of pastors and mm -hmm. church leaders is now at, I think, below 40% of them have a true biblical worldview. These are the people that are preaching uh, feel-good sermons. Uh, some of them might refer to it as cotton candy Christianity. Others might refer to these churches as being seeker-sensitive. Some of them are apostate. They've gone off the rails. They're preaching all kinds of things, social justice ideologies, but they're getting so far away from the Bible. Um, Andy, is this before we get into this new survey on Americans' faith in God declining, uh, is this, do you think, when it comes to pastors and church leaders, more of a result of the, the seminaries? Is this the church growth movement? Um, is this the culture influencing the church? Maybe a combination? I think it's a combination. You know, I have a couple of degrees from seminary, and I noticed, you know, when I was there studying that there were some trends happening in our theological institutions that I didn't like, mm. you know, related to a dismissal of Genesis 1 through 11, wow. uh, related to this sort of view that the church, you know, is currently the kingdom of God on the earth, you know, related to the fact that Jesus, um, you know, the words of Jesus are not his actual literal words, that's just his, his voice, because look, he contradicts himself over here. And, of course, Jesus couldn't have said the same thing twice. <laughs> you have to immediately move into the idea that it's a contradiction. And if it's a contradiction, you know, maybe his words are not, maybe what we're reading in the Bible is not his actual words. Maybe that's just someone summarizing what he said. And I saw all these sort of trends happening, and that's why we, you know, became involved with Chafer Theological Seminary, where we're trying to get back to what seminary is supposed to be, which is to equip people 
to teach God's inerrant and inspired word, you know, the whole counsel of God's word. So a lot of it, I think, is related to theological institutions. You get into the subject of spiritual formation mm. and mysticism yeah. and sort of dialing into the Desert Fathers as some kind of, um, you know, bastion of truth. I mean, these are all things happening in theological education. And the other thing you mentioned is uh, the church growth movement. Yes. Um, the idea is, if I'm going to have a church, I've got to get it big, and I've got to make it as rich as possible, and anybody in marketing understands that the customer is never wrong, right? The customer's always right. You give mm. people what they want, and I'm sorry, that's not what a church is supposed to be. Uh, a church is supposed to teach the truth, whether people like it or dislike it. Um, it's still the pillar of truth in the world. And Jesus, you know, told the truth in John 6, for example, and he took a massive crowd and emptied it down to 12. I don't think Jesus would be hired as a pastor with that record <laughs> exactly. in most places. And then he looks at the 12 and he says, you don't, you don't want to leave either, do you? And Peter says, well, where, where else are we going to go? You know, you've got the words of eternal life. Amen. And then he shrunk the group down to 11 because he <laughs> talked about Judas and he says, one of you is a, is a devil. So it seems to me that the ministry of Christ was very contrary to church growth patterns, and the opposite seems to be happening in uh, many ecclesiastical circles. Yes, and what a, what an awful recipe for disaster when churches are saying, let's give the people what they want. That's like, is, is there a, we only have a minute and a half left in this segment, Pastor Andy, is that something to do with maybe some pastors running a church like a business being a, and a CEO instead of a, a shepherd and a equipper of the saints? Well, you know, David, it's interesting. I, I was a business major, and so I took marketing. I actually taught marketing uh, for a stint there at the local community college uh, in California, and it's very disconcerting to go to seminary and see books and literature and professors espousing the exact kind of stuff that you see in secular marketing, mm. where you come up with a marketing mix designed to satisfy people's needs, wants, and desires. That might be um, wonderful marketing, but it's horrible ecclesiology because that's not the purpose of the church. Paul mm. told Timothy in an era where people would ears tickled, he said to preach God's word, you know, be instant in season and out of season. He talked about declaring the whole purpose of God. Amen. So we're mixing up ecclesiology with, with marketing, which yes. is tragic. That's an excellent point. Yes, uh, marketing does not belong... Uh, in the church um, now, I know you've got to you know tell people about your church and everything like that, but that's sure. different from from modern ideas of marketing, promotion, and commercialization. Anyway, Pastor Andy Woods is with us in 1944. Gallup first asked Americans about their faith in God. Where are we at today? We'll talk about that when we come back on Stand Up for the Truth. Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. 1944, Gallup asked Americans, American adults, about their faith in God. Those were times when a majority of people trusted the God of the Bible, or at least proclaimed to. Now, for example, from 1953 to 1967, 98% of U.S. adults believed in God. Fast forward to 2022, when only 81% of Americans say they believe in God. Now, this is according to a new Gallup poll, and the survey came out last Friday and shows the decline of American adults, and it's been happening decade by decade. So why are more people losing faith or falling away, and is it possible to slow down the decline? I'm going to bring in Pastor Andy Woods and get his thoughts on this not surprising but disappointing survey. Well, you know, when you read about less Americans believe in God and you read about the rise of the new atheists and, you know, how best-selling books are, you know, now written by atheists, <laughs> you have to look at it from the perspective of unalienable rights. You know, our declaration is very clear that our rights come from God, and yet how can you defend that if you don't even believe God exists? So this has a political ramification, and... I noticed that 
you know, as fewer and fewer believe in God, the more aggressive the left is in trying to take away our rights. The, mo- the latest example is the uh, their desire to disarm, you know, to take away our gun rights. And, you know, you can't effectively defend against leftist incursions in that respect um, if you don't believe in the concept of unalienable rights because you don't believe in God at all. So there's actually a, a, a political ramification to all this. Absolutely. And um, the more people are, are believing that our rights come from government, and that is by design, I think, Pastor Andy, through the years, the indoctrination of children and getting away from the U.S. Constitution um, to the idea that it is, uh, it, it should be changed. It's a, it's a living, breathing document, right? Um, do you think that plays into this, the fact that in America, one of the few nations in the world that, that's been blessed with such an amazing document, that, that, the, the, uh, the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, the Declaration of Independence, our rights come from God. Um, but a lot of people in this country, supposedly living under this Constitution, really don't believe that. Yeah, and I think a lot of it, this is where critical race theory, you know, plays a big role, mm. because after all, if these people were all slave owners and racists, <laughs> why should we listen to them? You know, never mind the fact that slavery was worldwide. Yes. And America was one of the few cultures that ever did something about the issue of, you know, slavery. But the other issue is it's evolutionary, because if we are truly evolving, you know, from the the goo to you by way of the zoo over billions of years, then people like Columbus Langdale and Roscoe Pound and Oliver Wendell Holmes began to articulate in the law schools that the Constitution has to evolve upward, you know, with evolving man. (laughs) And, of course, who evolves the document upward? It's the judge who's, Mm. you know, who is appointed for life. It's not the amendment process, which places that power in the hands of the people's elected representatives, but it's the judge and so or the justices. And so now what's taught in the law schools is the Constitution is what the judges say it is. And you know, this this all plays a role in why our unalienable rights, you know, are being eradicated. Mm-hmm. Let's uh, quote George Barna on this research. Uh, he says the millennial generation in particular seems to be committed to living without God, without the Bible, without Christian churches as foundations. And he says, from a nationwide perspective, the Christian church has done shockingly little to push back. The result is a culture in which, in which core institutions, including churches and basic ways of life, are continually being radically redefined. And now, Pastor Andy, only 68% of young people between 18 and 29 believe in God. So not surprising, but they seem to have a lot of power and influence and voice, particularly when it comes to big tech, social media, and they are now running some of the companies um, that uh, are impactful, corporations that are impactful in worldview, right? Well, the part of it, you know, Mm. that strikes me as you read that is the church has done you know, strikingly little to push back. Now, if the church is the salt and light, is not going to push back, who's going to do it exactly? And um, if the church is not going to take the lead on worldview issues, I'm not sure who's going to do it. Um, And that's one of the reasons where where we are, you know, morally disintegrating. It it just deals with the massive, you know, self-censorship or silence in our pulpits because we're so afraid of alienating somebody that we just don't want to take on anything controversial. I remember John Walvard, he was asked at Dallas Seminary, you know, why do you spend so much time studying prophecy? Don't you know it's controversial? Walvard basically said, you know, the whole Bible is controversial. (laughs) And, you know, controversy is our business. You know, not to be obnoxious, but God, when he speaks to man says things that are controversial. Mm. And we need to stop worrying about who's going to show up on Sunday and start worrying about what God said and let God take care of, you know, who's going to be filling those seats up on Sunday morning. Um, Let's go back to 1937. That's when uh, Gallup first started this poll, and and the lowest ever recorded 
a couple years ago, we found out that church attendance in America is now at around 47%. That's below half, which is the first time. that Now, that includes church, synagogue, or mosque in America, mm-hmm. but it is the lowest ever recorded since 1937. That's telling as well. So fewer and fewer people are either committed to church or believe that it helps them or they believe it's it's uh, impacting their lives or the community uh, or for whatever reason. And this is all part of the falling away. But let's break this down on political lines. And I'll let you comment on both of these things, Pastor Andy. Uh, according to Gallup, 72% of Democrats believe in God and just 62% of liberals do. According to this poll, Gallup, Contrast that, 92% of Republicans believe in God, and 94% of conservatives say they believe in God. So your thoughts on that contrast? Well, one of the most valuable exercises people can do is just take the Democratic Party platform and Republican Party platform and read them side by side, mm. and, and keep your Bible open <laughs> as you're doing it. And I'm, I'm, I've been very disappointed many times with my party, the Republican Party. I'm not here to promote it as the end-all, be-all. But the truth of the matter is, if you just look at the, uh, you know, party statements, mm-hmm. uh, the platform, what the party is based on, the Republican Party is a lot closer to the Bible than the Democratic Party is. Yes. And so, you know, it really doesn't surprise me that at the DNC, for example, a few years ago, uh, they were essentially were trying to vote God, you know, completely out of their um, a platform at all. That's right. And uh, you notice the Republican Party's not doing that, but it's the Democratic Party. So I just think people need to keep that in mind, you know, when they when they get behind candidates and support them. Yes. Um, let's go to this next story, and that uh, kind of falls along the lines of uh, uh, a country and a culture falling away from God. And when you remove God, that's a pretty big void you've got to fill with something. Well, moral relativism is one of those things, and that's the drag queen agenda and the um, however you were born, you can decide. In Michigan, um, the governor came out recently and talked about, um, I think she said, if I remember right, two million uh, people in Michigan were menstruating people. She didn't call them women who have periods. Now it's menstruating people because you've got to include apparently the transgenders that, you know, biological men who now menstruate. Just reason that, about that. But the Attorney General Dana Nessel calls for a drag queen in every school. They're pushing this openly, and I'm thinking, Michigan, what's wrong with you? You keep electing these people. So, Andy, I know you're going to talk about this a little bit tomorrow on your pastor's point of view, but just your, your thoughts, just to tease uh, this, because really, it really is amazing, this kind of thinking prevalent in our society today. Yeah, I usually try to, when I cover these things, I try to you know, cover them from a prophetic angle, and, you know, this is largely a fulfillment of prophecy, because Jesus said in Luke 17, verses 28 through 30, you know, as it was in the days of Lot, and read Genesis 19 to discover what was happening in the days of Lot, so shall it be at the coming of the Son of Man. And over in Revelation 11, verse 8, it talks about the city of Jerusalem, of all places, before Israel is converted. Uh, that it's basically called Sodom and Egypt there in Revelation chapter 11, verse 8. And so it's sad when a key you know, law enforcement person, uh, like the Attorney General in Michigan, says we need a drag queen in every school. Wow. I mean, it's sad to hear that, but mm-hmm. it's actually what the type of mindset that God said would envelop the earth um, just before he returned. Yes, and let's emphasize the fact that the leader, one of the leaders, very powerful leader, Nancy Pelosi of the Democrat Party, declared that drag is what America is all about. That's a pretty darn provocative statement, Andy Woods, isn't it? Well, it's provocative and it's just stupid. Yes. I'm sorry. I'm trying to contain my sin nature here, David, <laughs> as, I, as I hear this, but it's just, it's just dumb. Uh, you know, you you go back to um you know supreme court decisions i'm thinking of one in particular where our country was at one time called a christian nation and the judges 
you know, cited, I think, about 87 historical precedents proving this would be the late 1800s, about 1890, as memory serves. It's called the uh, the uh, Church of the Holy Trinity case. You know, they basically demonstrated that America is a, is a Christian nation. And for these people to come along and say, well, America is really all about drag queens, I mean, it just shows massive, massive historical illiteracy. Mm-hmm. Amen, brother. We've got just a couple minutes left. I want to touch on one more story because it affects our state of confused Wisconsin, um, religious oppression. There's a ban on conversion therapy that was decided uh, that will stand. It's in La Crosse, a couple hours from here, from Green Bay, Wisconsin, DePier area. La Crosse is the 14th city in Wisconsin to ban conversion therapy. We've talked about what that is in the past, but Andy, possibly a refresher on what that is and why it's important um, that uh, now there's bans against it in states across the country, but 14 in our state is concerning. Yeah, well, conversion therapy is basically me in a pulpit trying to convince people that homosexuality and other forms of sexual deviance is not God's best for your life, and by the power of the Holy Spirit you can change. Um, 1 Corinthians 6, verses 9 through 11 mentions, you know, several sins like fornication, idolatry, adultery, covetous, drunkenness, but right in the mix it mentions homosexuality, and Paul says, such were some of you. And he goes on to explain that now they're different because they have been um, indwelt by the Spirit of the living God. So conversion therapy would ban the use of that passage from the pulpit Mm -hmm. or in a private counseling session to convince people that if they're involved in in sin, like homosexuality, that they have the ability to change because it's a sinful behavior. Mm -hmm. And so when they say conversion therapy ban, that's essentially what they're banning. And it's it's rank hypocrisy because we just read about drag queens in public schools. I mean, how come, does conversion... Does banning conversion therapy refer to trying to convince uh, heterosexuals that they're really homosexuals? No, it never works that way. It's always against the evangelical Christian using their Bible to convince people that, you know, homosexuality is wrong and they can change by God's power. Amen, brother. It reminds me of, uh, we've been talking about the Equality Act. That's kind of flown under the radar recently. And uh, we got to just keep an eye on these things, friends. It will happen. It will affect our free speech. And uh, persecution will increase. But the good news is students of the Bible understand it's all quite prophetic and God is in control. Things are falling into place. Pastor Andy Woods, I appreciate all the research you do and your voice and your teachings. God bless you, brother. Yeah, thanks for having me, David. You're most welcome. Tomorrow, Bishop E.W. Jackson hosts the show on American Family Radio, The Awakening. He's a pastor, lawyer, and politician. He's going to be on the podcast with us for the first time. E.W. Jackson. Thanks so much for tuning in again. As always, God bless you and keep speaking the truth about things that matter.